It is an honor to be here with you today. I um, was thinking about that this week, what a special honor it is to be able to speak on Baby Dedication Sunday. And then I got to thinking that, you know, I'm really one of two people in this congregation most qualified to do this. And Brad Caleb is so important to the security team, they couldn't spare him. And so, it, it, by default, it, it, it falls to me. Okay, the insight, well, never mind. All right, um, hold on to your communion. Uh, we will do that during the lesson at a couple of different points. And so I just say, you know, be careful the first time you peel off just the top plastic because you don't want to be juggling grape juice for a few minutes in between. So um, I'll tell you when to do that. And so it is, it is an honor to be here today. And, uh, and especially as we have dedicated Ayudeli and Connor, Lillian, Zara, Lily, and Emmett. And as we have brought them before the Lord today. And so um, it, it, it truly is a good time to be here. So welcome to everybody who is here. And welcome to those who are watching online. And please forgive me as I say, Micaiah, obey your mama. All right. My grandson is, is watching from Haiti, so that's kind of an extra special treat. And, uh, and so as, as we think about this, as we think about uh, this, this dedication, one of the things that, that impacts us all are, are these memories that we have. And the memories that we have of, of our children. And, and you know what? You, you guys know I've got seven children. And so there are some things that get blurry. And Angie and I will sit there and go, who, was that Olivia? Was that, you know, we, and so some things do get blurry, but there are some things that you just don't forget. This is a random ultrasound image, by the way. It's not one of my children. It's not a grandchild. I just pulled it off. Uh, but I wanted to put it up there because a lot of you, I'm sure, remember this as the first time that you saw your child. And, and I remember very vividly the first time that I saw Abigail. She's my oldest. Now, first off, Mother's Day, Angie gives me a card. The card says, Happy Mother's Day. And I open it up, and it says, To the man who made me a mother. And showing good credit for all of mankind, I said, What does this mean? Um, <laughs> that's how I found out that we were expecting Abigail. Now, just... A few weeks later, there was a concern. And so the doctor scheduled an ultrasound. And so we went into this room and, and met the technician. And, and when you're having an ultrasound earlier than the, than the normal time period, uh, there, there's only one reason why you're doing that. And so the, the tech was very quiet, very professional, very caring, but very subdued. And Angie got settled in and went through getting all set up to get started. And then this image comes up. And the tech just almost explodes. Look at that. That's the heartbeat. And we look at the screen, and it's like a, a flashlight is on strobe. We can just see this little. And that was Abigail's heartbeat. First time I ever saw her. And I'll never forget that. That was so precious. A few couple months later, 
It was a Saturday, and we were kind of lazing around in bed. Angie was actually going to graduate that day with her master's degree. And, uh, but um, we were kind of laying around in bed that morning, and so I laid over and I put my head on her belly, and Abigail kicked me in the face. <laughs> First of many times, but she kicked me in the face right there. And so those are memories that you just don't forget, that you hold on to. And those are the memories that draw you to Psalm 139. For you created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in a secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And when you, when you see that, when you see that ultrasound, when, when you feel that baby move, when, you, when it actually can see it kick, when that baby is born and you are holding it for the first time, and the nurse is making you give it to the mother. Okay? Those are precious things that remind us that we are special. And you are special. The six babies that we dedicated today are special. But so are you, because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And the reason why we know that, we just have to go back to the very beginning. We go back to Genesis. And, and in Genesis... As we get the creation story, we get to a place where it says, then God said, let us, what? God said, let us. And what we also have here is, is the first revealing of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's the us that they're talking about. Let us make man in our own image. We are made special in the image of God in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. What a legacy. I've always imagined that there was something special in my bloodline. There is. I'm made in the image of God. And this was driven home. This point was made very intensely by Jesus during His ministry. And so there, there, there were numerous times in His ministry Jesus was tested. When they would come and ask a question. Sometimes, you know, I read them and I wonder, eh, is there some sincerity in the question? But this time there's no doubt, because Matthew tells us. He says that they came to lay plans to trap him. And so they were going to try to trick Jesus. And so they sent their disciples to him. This is the Pharisees' disciples, along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said. Now, now listen to this, okay? Teacher, we know that you're a man with integrity, you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. I mean, I've seen my children do this. Mom, you're the prettiest mom I've ever seen. Mom, all the kids say you make the best cookies. 
Mom, can I stay up a little extra late tonight? Or they'll come to me and they'll say, you know, Mom doesn't like your jokes, but we think you're really funny, Dad. <laughs> can I borrow the car? And so it's obviously they're trying to butter him up. They're trying to play into his ego as they try to, you know, set the stage here so that they can ask this question. And they ask a question which was an important question, but they were just simply asking it to trap him. They ask, uh, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Now, that's, that's the same kind of thing that we can have today. If you were to talk to a politician today, I mean, a good question would be, do you think the rich should pay more taxes? And if they answer yes, they might get a lot of votes, but they might lose a lot of money that would otherwise come into their campaign. If they say no, they might lose votes, keeping some money. And so it is that horns of a dilemma. Which way do you go? Well, this is especially intense for the Jews. They hated the Romans. They hated the Roman occupancy. They hated paying taxes to the Romans. And in fact, they even felt like freedom of religion, they shouldn't have to pay taxes. And so this was a deep and serious debate that they had, but they had no intention of resolving the debate. They just figured they had Jesus. Because whichever way he answers, he's in trouble. If he says, yes, you should pay taxes, he will lose a lot of people who otherwise would follow him. And what they're probably really hoping he will say is because of peer pressure, if he were to say, no, you should not pay taxes, they'd just take him to the Romans and go, we got an insurrectionist here. He is a problem. He is trying to tell our people not to be loyal to you. Jesus knew what they were doing. He knew their evil, evil intent. And he said, you hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin that's used for paying taxes. And so here I have a random coin with the image of Tiberius on it. And, and so he got a coin like this. I'm not sure they had pockets, but somebody had a money bag. And he held it. And he showed them. And he said, whose image is on this? Whose inscription is on this? And they said, Caesar's. And he said, fine, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Give to God what belongs to God. And they heard this. They were amazed. They left him and they went away. So what is it that belongs to God? Well, they knew Scripture. They knew that passage in Genesis that I read to you a few minutes ago. They knew that Scripture says they were stamped in the image of God. So this piece of metal that's got Caesar's picture on it, give it to him. But you give to God what belongs to God. You belong to God. And so that is where I want to stop. And I want us to think about being made in the image of God as we get ready to take communion. So just peel off the top one and get out that little wafer. Now because it's been a long time, I have got a random picture of communion bread up on the screen. You won't see anything like that in this building right now. But as you hold this, imagine it's that. Imagine that it is bread. And think about the significance of bread. Jesus said, 
that he was the bread of life. Where does that come from, the bread of life? It's primarily because bread was the staple food that you would have. You know, today, I don't know what Jesus would say today, I'm the hamburger of life, because, you know, today we kind of take meat and we put things around meat, but in that time, the vast majority of of the people would start a meal based on bread, and they would maybe build some things around bread, and, and the meat and the rich foods would be only for celebrations, only for festivals, only for sac- when there was a sacrifice. And so the bread of life, Jesus also said, this is my body. What's also interesting is that we are called the body of Christ. And so we become the bread of life. In the Old Testament, there was actually a special recipe for making some special loaves of bread. And when the tabernacle uh, was, was put in place, and later when the temple was constructed, they would make these 12 loaves of bread that would be part of the offering made to God. Why 12? 12 tribes of Israel. And so that bread represented the people as they gave themselves to God. Romans 12 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This bread is the body of Christ. We are to be the body of Christ as we offer the bread of life to a world that is starving. Let's think about the fact that we are made in the image of Christ. We are made in the image of God as we get ready to take our communion. Father, we are so grateful for Jesus, that he gave his body, that you used examples that are easy for us to understand. We need bread, we need food to live. And Jesus provides that to us. So, Father, we are so grateful that we are made in your image, that we belong to you. Thank you, Father, for wanting us to be your children. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Let's shift gears a little bit. And I want to talk about another avenue to parenthood, one that I'm familiar with, it's adoption. And I really first became familiar with adoption because my parents adopted. Now my parents were married in 1958, and 11 months later, as was, uh, you know, what was supposed to happen in the late 50s, they had a son. And so the firstborn was a son, and they were proud, and his name was Stephen Dean. My dad was Myron Dean. My grandfather was Myron Dean. So the Dean is what passes down. Stephen Dean and his son is Alexander Dean. And so that, that has passed through. That was important. And so then mom got pregnant a second time, and they were so excited for Melody to come. I was a big disappointment. But mom got pregnant again, and so uh, this time in honor of of a friend, 
Um, Michelle, we awaited Michelle. But we got David. And uh, they stuck with Michelle again, and it turned out to be John. And so, uh, you know, it's supposed to be three strikes, you're out. My parents got four. And they said, you know what, we're going to be sure this time. And so they adopted. And so my sister, Deanna Michelle, uh, my dad's name's Dean, so Deanna Michelle uh, was, was brought into our family. Now, one of the things that my parents stressed, they, they never hid the fact that she was adopted. They let, they let her know. We talked about it freely. What we knew of somebody else who did not learn they were adopted until they were a teenager, and it, it wrecked them. And so my parents were always open about it, and they also said this, Deanna, we were stuck with the boys. We chose you. <laughs> we wanted you. She was special because she was adopted. And, and adoption doesn't con- come cheap. There is a price paid for adoption. There, there's, there's court fees, and there's home study fees, and there are attorney's fees, and there are agency fees, and if you go to another country, you pay things to that country, and you pay things to that orphanage, and you pay things to, well, we won't go into that. And so there is a price to pay, and somebody pays that price. Now, it's not always the parents. I know of some organizations that help raise money to allow um, uh, adoptions to take place, But somebody writes the check. Somebody pays those things for that adoption to take place. And so let's take a look at this passage in Ephesians. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship, through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished upon us. In him we have redemption through his blood. His blood is the adoption price that was paid for us. If you read a similar thought in Romans, it adds to, the, uh, to that idea. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Now, this term adoption that Paul uses in both of these places is a legal term that came from the Roman Empire, and it came from the culture that they were in, and it was very significant. It wasn't a foster child. It wasn't somebody who just comes in and lives with you for a while. If you were adopted into sonship, you became an heir. And so somebody might do this if they they didn't have a child and they wanted a special child to hand their things off to. If they had a close friend uh, who, who maybe died, they might adopt their son to take them into their family. Uh, what, whatever reason, whatever connection... But once they were adopted and the price was paid, this person became their full son and had all the rights and had the citizenship, had all the things that came with it. And so adoption 
is a significant thing that would happen at that time. And it's significant for us. We're not only made in the image of God, but we have also been adopted by Him. And so we doubly belong to God. Earlier we talked about the fact that bread sustained life. What we also learn in Scripture is that life is in the blood. And the price that Jesus paid to adopt us was His blood. So that we could be fully a child of God. Let's go ahead and open up our And Jesus used grape juice, wine, fruit of the vine. He used that and said, this is my blood. This is my blood that I give for you. This is the blood that will pay the price so that you will not be one of the kids, but you're going to be a co-heir with me to my Father's throne. Let's pray. Dear Father, we are uh, just amazed. We know, Father, that life is in the blood. We know that that is why sacrifice was important, was meaningful, was to try to help us understand because the ultimate sacrifice was Jesus and his blood paying the price for us. Father, we are grateful that you love us, that you have adopted us, that you want us to be your children. Father, help us to realize that we are yours. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Today we have dedicated to the Lord Iodeli, Connor, Lillian, Zara, Lily and Emmett. And the parents have made promises as to what they're going to do as they raise their children. And the rest of us made a promise in terms of what we're going to do in terms of helping them as, we, as they raise these children. And so how are we going to do that? What are we going to teach them? We're going to teach them some important things. We're going to teach them to look both ways before they cross the street. We're going to teach them to wear clean underwear in case they forget to look both ways when they cross the street. <laughs> We're going to teach them to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, to love your neighbor as yourself. There's lots of important things that we're going to teach them. But I want to suggest that we have a couple of foundational things that I've talked about today that we need to teach these children and we need to remember ourselves. We belong to God, and we belong to God because we were made in His image. That is where you get your worth. It's not how good you look. It's not how much money you've made. It's not how well you do in sports. It's not your academic success. Your worth and your value comes because you're created in the image of God. And from this, we also get our purpose. From this, we get our sense of belonging. I read an interview that Tom Brady made a few years ago. It's very interesting. He talked about 
having won several Super Bowls at that point in time. They talked about him being married to a supermodel. I think they were in his house and looking at the beautiful house where he lived. And what's really interesting was in the course of that conversation, he said, you know, there has to be something more. And then he kind of laughed it off. And then he said he was going to try to win a couple of more Super Bowls. But even Tom Brady, who right now, by the definition of the world, has absolutely everything, knows that there's something missing. Tom Brady was created in the image of God. He's got a God-shaped hole in him that can only be filled by God. That's the same thing you have. That's the same thing that I have. And so we're created in the image of God. And we need these six children to grow up understanding that. And we need to remember that ourselves. And then secondly, we were bought by Jesus' blood. He paid the price for our adoption so that we could have full sonship, full daughtership with God. So that we can become doubly God's. We're His because He created us in His own image. We're His because He bought us and paid for us and paid the adoption price. And that is the good news. That is the gospel. That is what we need to be excited about. But something that's important to understand is that you're stuck with being made in the image of God. You're stuck with that. There's nothing you can do about that. You are, and you'll either embrace it or it'll haunt you the rest of your life. But he won't force you into adoption. He will freely adopt you but He will not force you into that adoption. And so that's a decision that, that we make. We talk about memories. I remember when every one of my children was baptized. And, and the one I will tell you about was, was Abigail. We were sitting right down here, and, and I know that she's going to be baptized that day. And, and I'm crying. And the reason why I'm crying while we're singing is I'm very excited that my child's going to be baptized. But it's also the weekend that I found out that my, my dad was dying of pancreatic cancer. And it just struck me as, I was, as we were singing that I'm losing my father, but my daughter's going to become my sister. And that weekend is just special because of how that balance took place during that weekend. But I remember, and I remember her struggle, I remember her final desire, I remember baptizing her, the decision she made to be adopted. And so, if you've not made that decision, I ask you to do that. You're made in God's image, He's already paid the price. The account's already set up. All you got to do is say, I want this. I want to be a child of God. And we got water ready. We can do it today. And so please, if you have not, I ask you to think about that. I ask you to understand what it means. 
And I pray for you the same thing that I pray for my children every night. I pray for my children every night that they will know and begin to understand how much God loves them. We're going to have a time of prayer right now. And some of the elders are going to step forward. And if there is anything that you would like to pray about, come up and find one of us. We'll pray with you. If you've got a favorite elder that's not here in the front, go find them and pray with them. If you've got a buddy or friend, go across the auditorium, find them. We just want this to be a time of prayer where you can open yourself up to God if there's anything that you could use. Let's all stand.